The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In the Burmese tradition, sayada is a term uh, that is used to refer to a senior teacher, to a very senior teacher, um, which is the case with, with Sayada Ujagara. And the word bante is, means venerable sir and is one that is used honorifically to refer to, to him, to monks, and I use those interchangeably. So that's what's happening. Okay. Any other questions? But in conversation. In conversation, yeah. That's what I tend to do, but you can call him Sayadatu, that's fine. Okay. Say- Sayada. <laughs> I said I said once that the, the they started to call me Sayado as soon as I, I, I put a, a mic. Right? So when you have the mic then there is a kind of authority, you know, that is being represented. So but Saya, Saya is just a teacher, so they call, you know, they call them as soon as you are teaching, you know, and then if you have some kind of seniority in the, in the, in the hierarchy of uh, monastics, then you are called a Sayado. But uh, in case you are not sure, uh, then you, you, you can call any monk, you can call them Bante, and it's fine. Like if you look also in the Thai tradition, the, the, the teachers, they are referred to as Achan, uh, and then the word is uh, from the Pali, Acharya. So it's the same. It's the same idea. It's the same idea. So just to show you, just to, to see that actually, you know, that uh, the uh, Theravada Buddhism did not consider uh, time so much by way of metaphysics or by way of uh, speak, speculating, uh, speculating about, uh, about things, but it was very practical. So one, a few aspects of time mentioned in, in the text are, uh, are, are uh, printed here. So I, I choose the, a few... Uh, a few quotes. So we see the first one, and we see that actually is really uh, practicing because uh, it is very practical because there is the time for listening to the Dhamma, the time for discussing the Dhamma, that means the teaching, the time for serenity, and the time for insight. These four times, rightly developed and coordinated, gradually culminate in the destructions of the taints. So, uh, so here the time, the time is made according to a practical realization of uh, what has to be realized. Hmm? So we, we, we can listen and also we can discuss. And this is very important. We can discuss things huh? and then we can understand with our intellect uh, in a rational way and we can develop that aspect of uh, intellectual understanding. And then also, we can also develop the type of understanding related to the practice of meditation, the practice of tranquility, the, the, the practice of samatha. So we see that uh, when we are practicing meditation, then our relation to, to reality is changing a little bit because the mind gets much more clear. So that's why the, this, the, the practice of meditation by way of calming and, and clarity clarifying the mind, and then also tranquilizing the mind is very important. And then the, the last one, the time of insight, is that with this clear mind, we are able to understand a little bit more about phenomena, about life. So the, the insight that we get uh, from our practice relates to life and how we see life, how we live our life. So these four aspects uh, <coughs> culminate uh, these four a- aspects of, 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 of times are uh, gradually culminate in the destructions of, the, of suffering, actually. The taints is the, like the, the taints refers to the colors, 
Well, I think I think like tainted. Like that that means a little bit spoiled in relation to color. Like you have a, you know something that is tainted. So the different colors maybe, but but it it refers actually to the, to the, to the emotional aspect of defilements. So if you are angry, or if you are, if we have all kinds of uh, defilements there, then the mind is tainted. It, it is tainted. That means also the, the the taint that is there is just like a, you have tainted glasses. So if you are angry, then your 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 glasses may be red, oh? and then if you are happy, then the glasses may be yellow. Oh? So all these the emotions that we are experiencing. Uh, have the possibility to, to, to taint the representation that we will have in regard to what we are looking at. <coughs> One more question over there. I wanted to clarify something. Uh, taint and tint are two different things. Taint is actually worse than tint. Turnt, taint means getting rotten. Okay, right. Thank you very much. <laughs> so... So my English uh, sometimes needs uh, nuances. It is colorful, though. Huh? It's, 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 your English is colorful. Colorful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not tainted. <laughs> it's Might be tainted. Maybe tainted, yes. <laughs> So, Monte, before we move on to the next one, um, just to highlight, I uh, really appreciate that you chose this one. Um, to talk about about the times and and one um, aspect that really comes up for me is as I read this and reflect on it is um, reflecting about this not so much you know like out there you know in destruction of the taints this is what you should do but really in our daily life as as practitioners as human beings um, thinking about um, how we want to develop our heart and mind to be. Um, kinder, better human beings, uh, or kinder human beings, better is kind of relative, so I don't want to use that word, but kinder human beings in, in, and develop in any which way that that is our highest intention. Okay, how do we spend our time if that is our goal? Well, we spend time to to listen to, to, to practical teachings. So here says Dhamma, so practical teachings. How do I go about that? How do I go about developing my heart? How do I, devo- how do I go about... Um, uh, being kinder, less, less, atta- um, less angry, less this, less that. So, so you listen, um, or you read. Actually, listening or reading. I guess since in the tradition it was all a, a, ver- a um, verbal tradition, but here, but nowadays we can actually read books. So basically, in a way of imbuing our mind in the Dhamma, in the teaching. So that's to spend time doing that. And then spend time discussing the Dharma. It's spending time discussing, having conversations with friends, um, really honest conversations about what what is happening and what are we noticing, and having reflections. So another aspect of this discussion, actually another word that could be used there, is having wise reflection, really reflecting, uh, perhaps journaling, really becoming um, aware of what what the teachings are and really reflecting on them. And then time for serenity. So that does refer to um, calming the mind. So sitting, meditating, really calming the mind so that the mind isn't uh, agitated and can clearly see the patterns of the mind. Um, And then when that happens, when all those three things have happened, then insight arises. And insight, again, is not this woo-woo term. It's, It's just seeing clearly the patterns of your mind. Oh, when... This happens, that happens. Oh, I see, and I don't have to follow my my um, these, um, my say. I don't have to get reactive. Um, so, so all of these are so relevant. I think that the the, the, the some of the um, translation, the old English translation, can can make it sound so um, um, old. But it's just it's how to spend our time as a human being if we want to be kinder, more loving, more free in this life. We don't want to be so so um, um, caught up. So I just wanted to add that to make it more relevant, really, as we go through all of these um, sutta exper- excerpts, they, they're so relevant to our practice as human beings. Back to you. Hmm? So then we'll go to the, the second quote, no? 
uh, it's about uh, somebody who is developing actually samatha. Huh? So the, the conclusion is he knows not the higher mind. So it's the cultivation of mind by way of tranquility, the cultivation of mind by way of getting, uh, trying to, to concentrate the mind and develop a little bit more clarity, huh? the samatha practices. And then this, is, this ex- ex- extract is from that book, the Patisambhidamaga, and it refers to uh, the practice of uh, anapanasati. That means uh, if you decide to have as your meditation subject the breath, so you are watching the incoming breath and then the outgoing breath. And then here, in relation to this mindfulness of breath, mindfulness of breathing, then six defects are explained. And and then when the first one is like, uh, the, 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 it goes like that, no? The mind that taunts after the past, that loves the future, that is slack, overexerted, or excited, or repelled, is unconcentrated. So here again, we see that the, the word stain uh, may refers to, 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 to taints, I don't know. So these six defects in concentration based on mindfulness of in and out breath are such that the stain is thought. He knows not the iron mind. So if we are constantly dreaming and then just uh, being lost in all kinds of mental fancies, then the mind get, doesn't get concentrated. The mind does not get tranquil enough so that it has a minimum of clarity with which it can see the world, uh, I mean, the phenomena is a little bit more uh, uh, more qualitatively. Huh? So the, 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 this practice in concentration uh, have, uh, have, their, have their purpose and also have uh, ways to, to see when, when, uh, it, when it is going astray. So that's why also, like as much as possible, when somebody is practicing uh, concentration practice, then the, the, the idea is, is to, when we see that the mind is just uh, distracted or not paying so much attention to, to the subject of meditation, then very gently we, we, we bring back the mind like, uh, to, to the subject of meditation. In this case, this is the breath. So we, we are aware of the mind, but... We, 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 we have a gentle effort just to be aware of that breathing process again and again. And then the more we do it, the less distracted uh, we become and also uh, the more uh, strength and also stability the mind is going to be uh, getting. And then, we, then from there, uh, other, uh, other development can also go. But these are just the defects in, uh, in concentration. So, so now she asked me to talk about the taints in very much detail related to a technical uh, Pali term, which is uh, asava. Huh? So, um, so I don't have I don't have the book and I don't know it uh, by memory. So asava means uh, I think it refers to that. It refers to that there are different translations for that. So I think floods also. Floods also refers to that, no? Floods is it the, the Pali term? Asava, and then... Yeah, cankers. EF10 or, or something like that, no? So just, actually, just to bring it up, what what uh, Silly was asking before about the word taints, actually. So as as Bante was saying, uh, asava, which he has the pronunciation down much better, is actually it's a very technical term in Buddhism, and um, it's, um, it's it refers to mental defilements of sensual pleasure, craving for existence, and ignorance. 
So those are some very specific things that that relates to. Just just to bring that in. So we'll take the, the third quote here, and then when we have developed a certain degree of clarity with our meditation, with the concentration or we just tranquilizing the mind, then we come to see, we come to look at phenomena, but also we come to uh, understand how the constructions of our perception builds or fabricate a world, a world, a world, a world that is also related to the past or the future and the present. So, this is very. This one is a is a quote. is very practical. So it's the the process of uh, it is the process of uh, of somehow how we know and come to perceive the world. So depending on the eye and forms, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact as condition, there is feeling. What one feels, that one perceives. What one perceives, that one thinks about. What one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. With what one has mentally proliferated as the source, perception and notions tingle by mental proliferation beset a man with respect to the past, future, and present forms cognizable through the eye. So we see here that uh, this, uh, this principle, this process of, uh, of uh, cognition relates also to the sixth sense door. So we have the eye, and then we have the, 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 the uh, visual objects, and then consciousness, high consciousness is arising, and then the meeting of the three is contact. So contact refers actually to the actual experience of sensory stimulation. So when there is contact, this is the experience. Now, all the time we are having contact. Like here we are talking about the contact that is happening at the eye door. So that contact, that experience is is, is, is experienced in a specific way and also becomes to be perceived in a subjective way by way of emotion. So uh, there, you know, the, 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 the aspect of feelings come into the picture. So with the, with the experience, then also there is a feeling uh, related to it. And then with the feeling that we have with the experience, then, uh, then the perception also comes to, 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 to come with it. And here also it is very tricky because we are experiencing things and then definitely the experience, like now we are just talking about the eye consciousness, but it refers to the six, uh, six sense base, the six types of consciousness, uh, the mind included. Hmm? So uh, with these experiences, feeling, the feeling tone comes in the picture and then the perception is arising Sometimes after the experience, sometimes after the subjective experience of it by feeling, huh? and then the perception is noting, oh, this is good, or oh, this, uh, this, uh, this is this, or this is that. Huh? So perception has the role of marking an object. Huh? So it is marking the color, it is marking everything that we perceive, we mark it. Huh? So since we are young, our perception is building up a world of... Uh, of, 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 of signs by which we can recognize and, and make sense of our world. Uh, so perception is coming from the experience uh, and, then, and then it is marking something and, uh, and also it is remembering the mark by which it has, uh, by, uh, that, has give, that has been given to an object. So if I call that a sheet of paper, huh? so then my perception calls it a sheet of paper. So every time that I see something like that, uh, I, I know this is a sheet of paper. So the perception is making something out of it. 
but the experience also will will uh, will influence the perception but also the perception will stimulate the feeling so from the feeling the perception is coming and also from the perception the feeling also is being influenced so they are both arising at the same time and sometimes perception will come to uh, to taint or to to influence the, the the feeling and sometimes the feeling itself will influence the perception. So that's why when we are, when we have built up a kind of perception, a kind of representation of, uh, of our reality, huh, that perception is also again going to have some impact on, uh, on the future, future occasion. So if, for example, if I, if I know you and then I, I ask your name huh, and then I remember, okay, no, this is that person. So I make an image out of you and then when I see you again, I say, oh, this is such and such, huh? we live at uh, that place and everything like this. Huh? But not only that, but the feeling tone also will come uh, with it. So, oh, oh, this person is a good person, this person I like, I like her, I, I like him. Hmm? And then the feeling tone is going uh, again to turn again to, to the perception and uh, going to influence it. But perception also can influence the uh, the feeling tone. So that's why it's kind of, uh, it's the process of cognition that, that, has, that, that has been analyzed here. So when we are meditating with the clarity of our mind, we, we can dissect, huh? we can uh, uh, separate and uh, understand the dynamic of the world of perception, the dynamic of, uh, of life, how, how we come to, uh, uh, to interpret, how we come to behave, because also our behavior is going to be influenced by the way we view the world, by, way the, by the way we interpret the world. Huh? So it is very important to see that the, the constructions we are making out of the world is very subjective. Huh? So first we have to understand the relativity of the, the mental perception, the relativity of our subjective construction. Huh? So we see, okay, now we are here to question our perception. Huh? We are here to question our perception because we are conditioned. We are conditioned in order to survive. So we want to, since we are very young, then we experience life and then we see our advantages and then also we see our pleasure. So in order to continue uh, surviving in the world, we are constructing, you know, with our perceptions, we are constructing uh, personal stories, and then we are constructing the interpretation we make out of the world. This is fine. But meditation helps us to deconstruct that interpretation of the world. Not in order to, in order to understand it better, and also in order to be able to reconstruct something that will also be beneficial. But the reconstruction that we are going to make out of our meditative experience is going to be understood as something relative. So we will not, although we, we, we can reconstruct a world huh, after having understood the process of how it is, it, it, it is constructed by our experience, huh, we can use the reconstruction in a way that we will not be attached to it because we, we, we see in the depth that uh, it is, uh, there is no substance there. Also we, 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 can use, uh, we can use a further construction just, uh, just by way of convention because if we don't have these structures, then we are not able to function in the, in the world. So here, this is, uh, this is just a brief extract of uh, how actually perception uh, influence feeling and then feeling inf in influence perception and then also how the thinking is based on that uh, on these perceptions and then uh, how this thinking also makes us just proliferate mentally and how these uh, proliferation mental proliferation as the source then the perceptions and the notions uh, the beset a man with, with respect to the past, the future, and the present forms and the, all the, these objects that are knowable by, by, by these sense uh, doors. So all the representations that we have uh, in regard to, to, to the, 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 uh, uh, the experience of the world are also represented by way of uh, 
by way of pleasant or unpleasant, and also by way of uh, past and future and present. Uh, yes, past, uh, future, and present. Yes. So, um, what I really appreciate about about uh, this excerpt is that not only is it a prescription, and not not only is it a description, it's also a prescription. Um, so, so Buddhism, uh, uh, the teachings of the Buddha, are an amazing, uh, really description of how the mind works. So, when I read this. It, to me, sounds like a description of okay. This is how one starts to um, uh, proliferate, have mental prolifer- prolifer- pr- proliferation about the past uh, and about the future, and also about the present. So, so this is how we get lost in thought about the past and the future and even present. Okay, well, how does it happen? Well, it doesn't happen on its own. You, you you don't just go about and all of a sudden you're in this cloud of of remembering your childhood and and wishing something different had happened or planning. It tells you exactly how it comes about, right? It comes about when either your eye or ear or any of your senses something comes in contact with it. Something comes in contact, and then there's a there's a feeling tone or vedana. There's that vedana is something. It's either pleasant or unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor pleasant. Usually. In the case of proliferation, it turns to be either pleasant or unpleasant. And then, ah, there's this perception of this is, this is that. Oh, that's a, that's a red shawl. I really like that red shawl. I wish I had one. Oh, I went traveling last year. I didn't buy one. I wish I had bought one. You know, so, so it's just that's how it happens. It's, it's a contact that the eye makes a contact. And then there is this pleasant, unpleasant arises, and then recognition, and then the mind starts to think about it, and the mind starts to proliferate, and the mind goes there. So that's the description. So how does the description help with the prescription? Because now you, if you know how it happens, how the proliferation happens, you can be present before it gets, it goes completely off, and you wake up half an hour later after having down the trip down the memory lane into the past. Like, oh, that's how it happened. I saw something, or I, I heard this song that reminded me of it, or, or etc., etc. Um, this, <clears throat> this became really clear to me um, some time ago. I, I was sitting a retreat. And actually, it was, this was years ago. I, it was pretty early on in my retreat uh, <clears throat> practice history. And uh, my mind was really calm. There was really no wanting one way or the other. I was just happily walking about. And, um, and I think I saw a water fountain. So my eye made a contact with the water fountain. And all of a sudden, the thought was... Um, Pleasant water fountain. I want water. I'm really thirsty. I should get it. Why don't I drink water? It's just like, whoa. And the mind was calm enough to see how it all started from just seeing, from just like looking around, seeing a water fountain. And this, all this whole proliferation happened from just that seeing. It's, it was, it's a simple example, but, but there's so many cases where and, and it's not that it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. This is how, it's a prescription. This is a prescription of how things come about. But if you know how it happens, then it's like a, um, a, a if based on this description, you can have a prescription of oh, okay. Uh, you can become more mindful early on. You can have more mindfulness early on before proliferating the past or present or future if that's not um, desirable. Yeah. Can you give an example of uh, uh, contact it's at, coming. at the mind door? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. The, because I think that's really useful yeah. when people are yeah. trying to meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, so. The question is an example upon the mind door. Um, so, so similarly, um, I'll give an example from from meditating since you asked it, and it's often. Um, so say I'm sitting and meditating and the mind is pretty calm and then um, say if a thought comes up if if a thought comes up um, you know some thought let's say um, oh I wondered if I responded to that email I I should really respond to that email I'm late I'm, I'm a week late okay so if that thought comes up right and there is, oh, I see that. Okay, I see that thought. All right, 
seen arise and pass away. Right, that's one. And it's appearing in the mind door because it's a thought that's coming. It's a random thought. I didn't create it, right? Thoughts are just arising and passing away. I don't, I don't so much control them or feed them, uh, but it's like a black box because of um, past tendencies, uh, this thought comes up. And now say the thought comes up, the mind seizes as a thought, and then it has an uh, unpleasant Vedana. Ouch, it's unpleasant. Oh, again, that, that, it, that email has been sitting in my mailbox for a whole week. Ouch. And then there's a perception of, oh, this is terrible. And then at that point, the mind can proliferate. Oh, gosh, I let this person down again. I'm so terrible. I'm off. I can never keep up with my email. I've lost so many friends. And I can be gone for a half hour recounting all the friends I've lost because they've been upset at me for not responding to their emails for, <laughs> for a week. Right? So there are a couple of different ways. But then the, it's a pro, that's the proliferation. Now I'm living in the past, and I could think about the future. Like what if I do this again in the future, et cetera, et cetera. So what if you employ the prescription for that? Yeah, yeah. So, so in this case, I think with the prescription in this case, um, I think at any point realizing, at any point in the process, realizing, so the mind, so the thought will come up, you know, it's anatta, it's, it's, it's uncontrollable. The thought will come up, oh, I didn't answer that email. Okay. The unpleasantness will also come up too. That's, that's also ungovernable. Yes, it will come up. It is unpleasant. No problem. Not a problem so far. The problem, the, the, the prescription really comes in when I start to think about it and proliferate it instead of, okay, you've been seen. Thank you for now. Right, right now I'm meditating. Let it go. Right, that's where the prescription com- can come in, instead of continuing with the proliferation or thinking about it. So basically, what you're saying is, if mindfulness is bright enough to catch it at that point, yeah, there's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And and I would say, yeah, exactly. So if the mindfulness is, and if the mindfulness isn't bright enough, and you go, well, the mind goes down the proliferation for some point, and whenever you see. It, Ah, proliferating. Okay, mine was proliferating. Okay, let it go then. Let it go mm-hmm. then. Instead of, again, pouring bad moments, good, good moments after the bad moments. Like, oh, I was proliferating again. It's terrible. I'm a bad meditator. That is such a, f- a friendly, compassionate response. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. But of course, Robert. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, your hand was up first. Hold on a second. You say letting go, but what is the prescription for letting go? Oh, yeah, exactly. So what does that actually mean, right? The, we bandy about this term letting go, like, how can I let go? How to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it really is, as Robert was pointing out, it is that friendly, compassionate attitude that comes in. Because when, when, some, when say, let's take the moment where you realize that you've been... Um, say you've been sitting in meditation and you've been prol- the mind has been proliferating for the past 15 minutes, whatever, right? And in that moment, um, when you realize that, that's, that there's a moment of clarity in that moment, okay, now there is a choice, right? There's a choice of being upset, being angry at oneself, etc. And this other choice of letting go. What does that letting go mean? Like, oh, okay, clarity of this is what has been happening. Yep, I see it clearly. This is what has been happening. And uh, it's the clear recognition and acceptance of the truth of that moment without wanting it to be any other way in that moment. You accept it and you open up to it. You don't want it to be any... You don't, it, it, it's a sense of delusion to want... for the past to to have been any other way because you cannot change it in that moment. So the act of letting go uh, in that moment is embracing what is, embracing what is and not wanting uh, it to be any different in that moment. It's it's an act of acceptance. Does that make sense? That's another way of seeing letting go. It does, but are there other things like then do you turn to the breath. I mean, what are the uh-huh. ways that you try to get your mind out of that same... Be- right. But you before know. you do that, there has to be a, ah, a, an offering up. 
that's important because if you if you try to turn your mind right away to the breath it becomes like a yanking it becomes like bad mind bad mind let's go through the breath that's not the idea the idea is you take a moment to relax you take a moment to offer up like ah, it's okay it's okay and then you turn to the breath or whatever you want to turn to and that moment is really important welcome but there was another hand. You haven't asked any questions yet, so. It's coming. So, at the beginning of the sit this morning, I immediately remembered that I hadn't turned off my cell phone. So, um, I struggled for a while. I... I I saw that, that I was upset about it, and I was trying to decide would it be more disruptive to get up in the middle of the set, sit, or just uh, hope that it wouldn't ring. Uh, and then I realized that my struggle was really interfering with my being able to be uh, present. So, and you were saying it's all okay. <laughs> so I was trying to say, well, I mean, I decided not to go turn it off and sit with the discomfort of my fear that it might ring mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that just try to let that be the meditation. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I guess what I'm still struggling with was whether I made the right or wrong choice. And I mm-hmm. guess that's, that, that's, that's where, that's the problem, yeah. is that I made it a right or wrong uh-huh, uh-huh, thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Great. Thanks for bringing that real juicy example, which many of us might have felt before, experienced before. So, so with that, um, for a moment, let's go back. We'll come to the present moment. But let's go back. So, so what I appreciate is you chose to sit with that experience. You made it okay to actually sit with the discomfort. And it's okay. It's only discomfort. It's not the end of the show. There's, there's enough space to hold the discomfort is only discomfort. It's okay. And had your cell phone rang, that would be okay too. That would be fine too. There's, it's not a problem, right, for a cell phone to ring in the middle of it. It's okay. It's a sound. Fine. So, and for you to sit with it, like, I should have done this, I should have done Oh, pain, suffering. Mm, mm. Just holding that too, sitting with that, so no problems. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the key is to make the suffering itself okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Back there. So, what happens after that? After the um, you you are present to it, it's okay that it happens. Yeah. What is on the other side of that waterfall? Like I, because we're so used to going yeah. to the future to plan, going yeah. to the past to remember, right, right. to organize our conditioning, or to organize our lives and get through. Right. If you stop doing that, mm. is there, is that when enlightenment happens? Uh, or what happens? A, What's yeah. on the other What's side the, of that? That's a great when question. You practice for yeah. a while. What do you see when yeah. you get there? Yeah. So, We're here. When you get here, what do you see? <laughs> so that's a great question. So, so I'm, I appreciate you brought this in because I, um, in what I said, there might be a, um, uh, a, a um, false expectation that it's not okay to plan for the future and it's not okay uh, to, to, to perhaps think about the past, that, it's, that you only have to stay in the present. That's the only time. <laughs> Not the case, as Bonte has been talking about. You know, we have jobs. We have, you know, there's. You have to think about when are you going to buy groceries and what are you going to do. And there's planning. All of that is fine and wholesome. So, so couple of things. One, just to clarify, the examples I was giving were in meditation. So when you're in meditation, that's a time that you actually have set aside to see the patterns of your mind. And you haven't set that aside for proliferation of past and present and future. So just to be very clear about that. And, the, and then now coming to daily life um, about planning for the uh, future um, and perhaps thinking about the past. So, so I think all of these could be done in a skillful way without being caught. So the idea is not that you completely give, give up planning, but, but 
that the mind doesn't spend so much time daydreaming without any fruit or profit for in the future, or spending so much time about the past, reminiscing, having remorse, etc., not in a helpful way. So when, when the mind has clarity, uh, then you can actually ha- can have wisdom to choose whether this is wise planning, yes, I need to plan for this project, or, or it's daydreaming, or it's, it's something that's actually causing more pain and suffering, and it's not, it's not helping anybody in any way. Or if you're thinking about the past, it's actually this remorse you're having is helpful because it's helping you, oh, helping you realize that was not skillful and you should make amends. Maybe you should ask for forgiveness. Or instead of just flag, you know, flagellating yourself for the hundredth time about just the, the thing you said wrong and just driving yourself crazy. So the wisdom can come in. I occasionally get hung up on the term proliferation, you know, like nuclear proliferation. Um, it's a perfectly good word, except that it's uh, five syllables. And for some reason, it's sort of uh, jarred. It's jarring for me when I'm trying to put this all together. And, yeah. and suddenly I thought of snowballing. Right. And I think that gets across the same idea, but yeah. uh, I don't know if anybody else has that. Sort of strange uh, take on it. That that's a great um, that's a great personal translation of that word. And I tell you, whenever I see proliferation, which is a huge word, I agree. Um, I think of the um, the Pali word for it, which I actually love. Is the word is papancha? Papancha. It's like it just like bursts. It's like it's a little thought, and papancha. It's gonna becomes this big thought and you're kind of lost in it, lost. In it. So the word papancha, it just kind of like, it represents that. Um, so whoever likes the word papancha and insert it instead of proliferation. Yeah. Branching. Branching, yeah. Branching is good. I like papancha. 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 You can say it with Italian accent. Papancha. Okay. Maybe we can we can go just we just have an overview of uh, the few quotations that are given here, and uh, we'll go we'll skip the uh, few of them and then go to the fifth one, which uh, speaks about measurement. So, if we come back, if we come back to our definition of time being the measurement of phenomena, then we can see that uh, uh, here we have a type of measurement. And this can also be applied to a certain definition of time. So the time that we are making in our mind is a measurement about something. And then that measurement that is talked about here is the taint or the tint or it's the, the color of the mind that is experiencing uh, f- the things. So we have seen just uh, now with, uh, with uh, the previous explanations that uh, all, uh, all the experience of sense uh, encounter, including the mind, uh, motivates or stimulates the feeling and then the perceptions and all these proliferations. But these proliferations, actually, they start to be wrong as much as they are tainted with lust, with greed, with hatred or aversion, and also with delusion. That's the main, this is the root of the problem. Lust, greed, uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. So we see that here the mind being tainted with lust is a maker of measurement. Hatred is a maker of measurement. And delusion is also a maker of measurement. And then it will be the opposite of somebody who, is, uh, who has understood how these measurements are, these taints of the, uh, the, 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 these taints that comes with the experience 
uh, are got rid of. Uh, so when we are able to, like we let go of things because we see the things as they are. So the letting go is, is, is conditioned also by the perspective we have towards the phenomena. And then the attitude of let, letting go is actually a, a kind of abandonment. So you abandon, you let go, you let go actually of the lust or the greed that you have towards certain things. And also we let go about the hatred or the aversion we have to uh, unpleasant things and also uh, the delusion or the, um, the ignorance that we can have about, uh, about these things. So then when we let go of these uh, three qualities, then the mind comes to be measureless. And then also the mind comes to be liberated because it doesn't measure anymore, and also it is uh, it has also the, it gives us the possibility to to get a, a new perspective, a new dimension of uh, of reality that we will not have if we are uh, having these uh, three taints. So here it's 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 it is speaking about. Uh, about that, the uncheckable liberation of the mind huh? that is uh, uh, that is measureless, and then also it is empty of lust, hatred, and delusion. That means it is empty of that uh, tainted perception of time. So the time representation that we are having towards reality is no more uh, affected by these three uh, qualities. And these, the, the, these liberations of mind comes from the observation we have and then from the understanding we have in regard to these uh, experiences, in regard to uh, what is happening in our life, in our mind, and in our encounter with uh, different situations. I'm not sure I understand <coughs> that um, any of those is a measurement. Like, I don't see how lust is a measurement or delus delusion is a measurement. Can you explain that? Yes, like uh, we can think about uh, uh, something you really want. You see that you, are, you develop a kind of uh, craving towards something, so you have lust about something. So when you are when you are sitting huh, and then you are not with that desirable object of person, then uh, the loss that you have projected, the, the loss that have tainted your mind in regard to that uh, object or person is affecting the mind in regard to the time. So you are creating a time uh, related to when again you will be with that thing. Uh, or when you will be separated from the thing if you are, uh, you are, if you are affected with hatred or, or aversion or uh, also in regard to delusion then it's just uh, the, the, the delusion also is creating a kind of confusion in regard to a situation and then that perception of time is, uh, is, is, is uh, quite, of, uh, quite distorted. So these types of emotions are giving a color to the mind that, that uh, uh, measure to a certain degree, phenomena, and then the measurement is about we are creating the future and then the past, huh? according to our past experience, we are making a, a representation of it, and then we are calculating the time that is going to that that is going to take us to to achieve that or to be rid rid of that, and also the time that we will be able to enjoy that, huh? the weekend or the, the the one hour or the, you know the evening or so. All of that is a measurement of an experience, but, uh, but it's a tainted kind of measurement. So if we are able to, uh, to remove these things little by little, then we see that time starts to have a different uh, dimension. And then also the liberation, actually, it's talking about the liberation. So we are not slave anymore of a created future, of a created past. We can use them properly, Huh? But we are not slave anymore. We are not living for the future in relation to the past. Huh? 
we, we acknowledge uh, the, the possibility uh, of, uh, of some future events, and then we can have plan, but we are not living for that future. We are, we are living in the present. Uh, there is much more uh, quality to the present because we know that uh, these uh, future events are also going to be influenced by the way we uh, encounter the reality now. And actually, what is the past? What is the future except the way that we are going to perceive reality? Uh, so the way that we are perceiving reality is the mind, so the consciousness is the, the, the tool by which we will experience the future. So if, if the consciousness that is experiencing the present moment is tainted, then also the future is, go, is, is also going to be tainted. So it, it's going to be a, a, an illusion. Yeah. So, All of it? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, so the, the, the future may also be a projection of what we are experiencing now. So we are, uh, we are thinking about something, and also that thinking about something is tainted with craving. We want the things to happen in this way. But uh, actually, when it will happen, and when it is happening now, it is conditioned by the way consciousness is relating to it, by way of uh, you know the emotions of loss, hatred, or delusion. So, if we are not understanding that aspect of uh, of uh, perception, then the, pers the the future is also going to be uh, false things. And I mean, it, it will always be conditioned by a measurement of, okay, now, this is the future at which I have arrived, but actually it's not substantial, it's not essential. So, so there is, all, again, there will be a kind of uh, going out of that situation. The, the last thing that you said reminded me of this um, this advice given in practice that um, if you're always trying to, to reach for the future, the future will never be satisfactory enough, right? But if you take care of the present moment, when the future becomes a present moment, it will take care of itself. So, so as we practice and develop more trust and ease in the present moment um, and trusting that when the future arrives the same level of trust and clear seeing will expand, it will be there, the resource will be there there's no reaching and, and over planning and papancha uh, for the future a couple of other things I wanted to bring up regarding these, um, the fifth reference today um, the fifth excerpt is one thing is in the second line where it says for a bhikkhu um, and bhikkhu means a monk and yet it really refers to all practitioners so, so these instructions are for everyone who practices so for all us practitioners here this is the case and um, also I wanted to bring bring up or, um, the idea of gradual um, liberation, because here in, in this in this sutta um, is re it, the reference is to the unshakable liberation. So it's the final liberation where uh, freedom, where actually greed and hatred and delusion just do not come up, do not arise. But along the path, I mean, this doesn't happen overnight, like you, you have lots of greed and hatred and delusion and then overnight completely it all goes away. No. As practitioners, we know that as we practice more and more and more, they drop away gradually in more ways and there is more liberation, or another word that I actually like to use more, is more freedom. There is more ease in areas of life that there wasn't ease before. Um, and that's gradual um, gradual freedom, gradual liberation. And there are ways in which we had greed before. We had greed about various things that we don't have greed for anymore. We don't have desire for them. Or we had hatred towards 
people or things, not wanting things that they don't bother us anymore. We have much more, perhaps, more ease in our lives towards some people or some things. Um, so it becomes gradual. And I actually invite you in your own practice, however how young or old your practice is, just to look back before you start to practice and see if there are just one or two things. doesn't have to be too many, but just one or two things that there's a little more freedom about. Just a little more freedom about. Just a little more. Oh, this thing doesn't bother me anymore, or that thing doesn't bother me anymore, whatever it might be. Um, and, and allow that to serve as a basis for your confidence, for your trust, that this can continue in ways that the greed and hatred and delusion in these ways can actually drop off. Again, the language can sound lofty, but when you look at it in your own life, um, it, it becomes... Um, accessible. I know that for me, I mean, I can take any of those. Um, I mean, there are people in my life that there's just a lot more ease about. Um, they may not be in my life anymore. We may not be talking, but there is goodwill. There is there is care for them um, that in the past there may not be. And it's a, it's a part of practice. Like, may they be well, even though you're not in my life anymore. May you be well. May you be happy in every way. There is not the, there's no hatred anymore. So in so many ways, you can see that in our lives. Um, and the last thing I wanted to, to bring in, because this, this excerpt again brings in, brings in the concept of, of the taints, and, and uh, taints asava, which we referred to a little ago. And um, basically what's significant what, what, to, uh, to understand about that, I think I mentioned that it's, um, it uh, formally refer, it refers to the to sensual pleasure, craving for existence and ignorance, but but dropping that away, what it actually is, it's it's what causes pain. It what what um, what um, keeps us um, in the cycle of pain. What keeps us in the cycle of what is called samsara or or pain or suffering. It's basically what uh, what perpetuates the cycle of wanting and hurting and suffering. It's just that. Those are the those are the taints. Um, some questions like the texts are just talking by themselves oh, but uh, of course the, 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 the text number six is a little bit uh, it's just an extract it's just the, the it's just the last part of a, of a little bit longer text but if you have any questions before we take a break then you are welcome to uh, to add something otherwise this uh, this text number six is about uh, the 30, it's about, uh, like, he, he, just before the text is just uh, an extract, no? So if you, are, if you have the book at some times, oh, then you can, you can look at the, the complete text. Oh. But here we wanted to, to, to save uh, printing. And uh, actually, the, the 36 currents, currents of craving, refer to uh, it's all it's all the different types of craving that uh, we have about ourselves so all that is related to to self self me mine and then i i am this i should be like this and then i am not like that and uh, all i shall have this and so uh, the text is giving us uh, 36 currents currents of craving and then also these uh, 36 Occurrence of craving that are actually related to the to the to the to the ego also are pertaining to the past and also to the future and then to the present. So the multiplication by three makes uh, uh, 108 types of craving. So it's uh, it's uh, it's just to say that all the, the the types of cravings is just it's just the mental constructions that we have built up on the on our experience and also of, uh, of the experience uh, identified with the self.
Also, this is delicate. Like, it doesn't mean that we should neglect the self and to say, no, I, sh I don't exist and uh, I don't have, uh, you know, the, there is no individuality there. It's not there. It is the tainted that are associated with the personality. Also, we have to understand that what we have to let go is not uh, the individuality as itself, no? So we have to develop a kind of healthy sense of, uh, of, uh, of self, but... Uh, to, to understand, oh, craving and aversion just taint these, uh, these things. And then, then that actually all the craving that are, uh, that, are being per that are perpetuating our suffering is the craving related to this self. So you might be thinking of a certain tendency uh, that you have that's not so helpful and how you've been this way in the past and, um, and then you still have that tendency and you f so you, I am this way in the present and it's hard to let go of this tendency so, so um, um, you expect that you'll still be, be this way in the future. So you can have that kind of you know, I, I was foolish in the past, I'm foolish now, and I'll be foolish in the future. That kind of thing that it's referring to? Referring to? No, because that's a fact. Oh. <laughs> 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 no, no argument. No, no. <laughs> okay. So... So the point, the point is that if we, whatever we, I mean, you, you, some people say, okay, now I was, I, was, uh, I was foolish when I was young, and now I am old and I am foolish. Hmm? So Socrates also says, well, you know, the thing is that uh, uh, it's better to know that you are a fool than to think that you are not a fool. So a fool that knows that he's a fool is a wise person. Oh, thank you. That feels so much better. <laughs> But the, the thing also, like whatever, like whatever fact we, we come across, huh, and this is still a judgment, no? it's, it's just a judgment. So the, the judgment is very much relative because it's just phenomenas, and then we are all different. So the judgment is something relative that we give on reality, but the thing is that uh, whatever judgment we come in, re in regard to the reality is the attitude we have towards it, and this is, this is the, the thing with craving. No? So craving is the attitude that we will have towards the phenomena. So it doesn't mean that, like, the acceptance, and then the acceptance, and then the openness to see, okay, no, this is how I am, you see. Huh? And uh, that's, that's very important. Otherwise, we will always uh, want to be better. or, or we will all, Of course, we need improvement, but the judgment we, we make by way of craving and aversion is, uh, is, is the deal. Because this is what is going to bring us... Uh, conflict and, and suffering. Yes. And this, um, actually this passage about craving ties in with Bhante was talking about earlier today, the relationship with craving and time. And, um, and given that in a couple of moments we're going to, to actually have a break for lunch, it becomes a perfect time for practicing. Uh, with with seeing how as you go about, as you heat your lunch or as you go out to get your lunch or as you sit with people or as, or as you wait in the line for them to go to the bathroom or whatever it is, or you, um, how is that feeling of craving might come up for either the food, for things to be different, for you to, for you, for your food to already be heated in the microwave or whatever it is that craving for things to be different other than they are, and how that shapes your relationship to time. Does, does that make time collapse? Does it make spacious? Does it, how, how is your experience of time, your subjective experience of time, how does it relate to any craving that might arise? So that is the invitation, your assignment, an invitation for, for the period of lunch as you have lunch together and discuss and, and converse. And... Um, you can talk during lunch. You can talk about time. <laughs> you can talk about time if you like. And also, um, 
Another thing that might be interesting if you like to discuss is from the um, uh, the uh, excerpts that we have shared so far. Which one has really spoken to you? Which one you can take home for practice? And if you're sitting with someone whom you don't know and you want to prompt to kind of start a conversation with them and be nice and friendly, so, you know, that could be your prompt. Which of those things appeals to you? What can you take home for you to actually practice with in, in your life? Um, and uh, to really bring it home. Again, all of this study is about our lived experience as human beings in this limited time lifespan that we have. And this afternoon, we'll talk more actually about that. We'll, t- we'll bring more this aspect of our experience, our, our um, not just the subjective experience, how, how this objective um, limitedness of our life um, really forms our subjective experience, being limited human beings, human beings that die, that are mortal. We have limited time on this earth. And how can actually that be a, um, uh, a motivation, really a strong motivation for, for waking up, for having more freedom in our lives and affecting lives of others. So, so we'll bring that aspect in as well as um, the aspect of the timeless, experiencing the timeless through experiencing time. Um, and a few other things we'll also bring in this afternoon. Um, so what we'll do now is um, we're going to break for lunch. It's 12.04. Um, and we're going